Yeah, it's funny because I also have realtor clients or real estate brokers who don't invest in real estate. And I ask kind of the same thing, right? Because that's what you do day to day is your job. So it's such an easy step to to take it to the next level and become an investor. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, when my husband and I were both CPAs. We worked in the real estate specialty group and that's what we saw all day long. But we didn't um, we didn't really saw that as something for us. You know, kind of you have that question, like, who am I to be a real estate investor, right? I'm like an accountant. I went to school. I got my degree. I do people's taxes. Um, what gives me the the experience or the right to to invest in real estate? So even for us, even though we know the benefit, it was pretty clear we were paying a ton in taxes ourselves. So we understand the benefit and we, we saw how it could help people build wealth. But yeah, you have to overcome that i think mental hurdle to say yeah. this oh is something gosh. that i can do as well right who's this oh you're an entrepreneur oh you're a real estate investor oh you're trying to learn from those who did it well come into the lab then put your white coat on gloves on notepad and let's build y'all Real estate experiment. What's happening, y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of having an expert who, if you do not have this person on your team, uh, you are either throwing money out the window or you are, again, it's all about opportunity cost and you're not optimizing your portfolio to the best of your ability. And I want to welcome Amanda Hahn to the lab with us because she is super well versed in her niche of uh, being a certified public accountant coming from uh, the world of, again, large firms to now niching down into creating her own company with her husband called Keystone CPA Inc. And I'm so excited because everyone goes like, oh, Amanda Han. I was a bigger pocket. I'm like, oh, that's Amanda Han. She's everywhere. She's doing her thing. And like, I'll have someone on my show. And they're like, that's right. I use Amanda Han as my CPA. And I'm like, she is just killing it. And I love niches. I love branding. And I think it's an amazing space that you're in. And at the same time, Amanda is a practitioner because she not only just talks the talk, she also walks the walk. And we know that's super important. So Amanda, super overdue. Welcome. What's going on? <laughs> uh, I am so excited to be here, Ruben. Thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, I mean it. I'm not just, you know, we... You are officially lab certified today um, because we we love to bring in individuals. That's right. You get a little blue check mark, <laughs> lab certified, uh, like yourself, who's, you know, your tax strategist, you're an author, you're a speaker, uh, and you're doing this. And so I always like to say this, right? Because, and this is how I usually start, because I think it's interesting how it's one way for me to introduce you, but I'm curious as to, you know, if you're not at a real estate conference, I like to use the airport as an example. And I know you yeah. say, you know, we're sitting together. I was like, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm curious, like, what is your go-to? How do you identify as an investor, as an author, as a speaker, as a business owner? Hmm. Which one do you go yeah. to? I'm curious. Interesting. So, yeah, I think if we just met randomly, uh, you know, outside or even at a conference, mm -hmm. um, I think to summarize what I tell people is I, uh, I'm a CPA and what my specialty is, is in helping real estate investors nationwide on how to save taxes using real estate as one of their wealth building tools. Um, mm. So so I think I identify as both, you know, CPA and real estate investor. 
Um, never thought about mentioning myself as an author or speaker <laughs> until you said that. Maybe I will in the future. <laughs> What's well, interesting? You know, it's funny. I like to use it in different the the way I introduce myself. It, it's I try to be like a chameleon. Like if I'm in like a room full of authors, then I might say, "Yeah, I'm also an author." But then if I'm in the real estate, I'm like, "Well." because you understand real estate or maybe because you don't understand real estate it's kind of like hey but you know how like people you know how you stay at a, like an airbnb and like yeah like we we do that except we that's do it for like yeah. you know what i mean like um anyways <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting sure. but um so for you what i'm curious about is and i was asking you this offline i'm like okay we gotta let experiment nation know because i don't know um how you decided to a niche into real estate um with all the, again, wealth of knowledge and experience that you have from tax saving strategies across the board. Can you tell us about that? Like the beginning of that journey, was it always real estate? And and if not, at what point did you decide to go into real estate and why? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I um, I think it was, it was always to be a CPA. Like growing up, I have um, a lot of CPAs in my family. My mom wanted me to be an accountant. It's kind of like oh. the most stable job uh, good for a girl right to, to be in the office and like not in combat or somewhere dangerous and um, so always to be a CPA but I actually fell into real estate um, when I started out my career I was in uh, I worked at one of the big four uh, public accounting firms internationally I happened to end up in the real estate group um, and so for um, the first couple of years of my career I just worked on um, large investment firms, real estate development. So, you know, some of the, like the larger home builders and things like that um, nationally. And um, uh, even though I'm the third generation of real estate investors in my family, I never thought I would invest in real estate. It was not anything that um, even crossed my mind. You know, I'm kind of mm. like, I'm a CPA, I do taxes for other people's real estate. That's what I did. And it wasn't until uh, my husband read Robert Kiyosaki's book mm. that um, we thought, hey, you know what? We should probably do this um, because that's kind of what we do for a living, right? For other people. So why not? Why not invest in real estate for ourselves? Um, and that's kind of how we got started. <laughs> okay, that's, that's so interesting because, okay, so I, I want to ask you because you were talking about the realtor connection slash bro broker dealer, et cetera. And I, there's, a, there's something there that happens that I want to state. But you mentioned the big four. I want to give you a shout out. Worked at Deloitte. Um, and you know, that's a very respectable company for all of us who, who know, you know, those firms, the big four firms. And the first question I want to ask you before I get into kind of, you know, how you and your husband started getting real estate is, is what you did at Deloitte and, and some of the other big firms that you worked at the same kind of work you would say that is applicable to a, the investor next door when you do their books, or is it more sophisticated? Yeah, I mean, some of it is definitely more sophisticated that's not needed for kind of the, the everyday investor, but a lot of the, you know, kind of traditional tax strategies that we use for the large real estate investment companies for the high net worth individuals in big four are some of the same strategies that we use today with our regular investors. And that was one of the reasons we started out on our own is because, you know, we started going, we wanted to invest in real estate. Um, after we got our first property, we started networking, right? That's what you have to do as real estate investors. Like, how am I going to get my next deal? What markets are people doing? So we started going to these real estate clubs and do networking. And quickly enough, we realized that most investors were not aware of 
these different strategies or they don't really think about it like a lot of the wealthy people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought it was there was such a need in the market. So we decided to kind of bridge the gap and just take what we learned and implemented at the large firms and bring it down. Um, to the everyday investors and kind of simplify it a little, you know, tweak it yeah. a little bit. Cause like I said, not everybody needs super expensive, super complex strategies, but we can definitely modify some of those and use it to our benefit as everyday investors. So, yeah, I love that because like I said, when I say you're a practitioner, I think that's really important to, for us to understand that this is, you've done this at the highest corporate level. Like these are billion dollar companies, if not hundreds of millions. Right. And you're saying, Hey, I'm going to take these same strategies when applicable and apply it to the investor next door so that with it's all relative, right? If it's a billion and you're saving them a million, it's for you, it, it, for us, or maybe your clientele, it's a couple of millions that you're selling them a couple thousands, ten, tens of thousands, or maybe a hundred thousands. It's all relative to your portfolio, which is kind of like mind blowing when you think about it. And so anything that you save a person or, or allow them to save or allow them to keep in their pocket is relatively significant to them, which is huge. Now, what I want to ask is going back to what you said about you saw this right on paper and you saw the benefits of it. And I'm just very curious because we talk about this all the time. There's agents that help people buy real estate. There's agents that help people sell real estate. And I'm talking about realtors, but they don't own real estate. And it's almost like, but you're seeing like you're writing the contracts and you're seeing the numbers and maybe it's a, I'm just curious, where's the disconnect there? Is it just because like, what, what do you think that disconnect is? Cause I, I don't know what it is, but I think mm-hmm. I heard someone say this on a podcast today uh, where, you know, you're not really, really taught the investing side of it. Just like you're taught to get a job and make money, but you're not taught to invest. So where is maybe the, you find that the disconnect was for you where you didn't initially think, yeah, I'm doing this for others, but like you didn't think to do it for yourself. Why do you think that was? Yeah, it's funny because I also have realtor clients or real estate brokers who don't invest in real estate. And I ask kind of the same thing, right? Because that's what you do day to day is your job. So it's such an easy step to to take it to the next level and become an investor. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, when my husband and I were both CPAs. We worked in the real estate specialty group and that's what we saw all day long, but we didn't. Um, we didn't really saw that as something for us. You know, kind of you have that question, like, who am I to be a real estate investor, right? I'm like an accountant. I went to school. I got my degree. I do people's taxes. Um, what gives me the the experience or the right to, to invest in real estate? So even for us, even though we know the benefit, it was pretty clear we were paying a ton in taxes ourselves. So we understand the benefit and we, we saw how it could help people build wealth. But yeah, you have to overcome that i think mental hurdle to say this is something that i can do as well right (laughs) it almost sounds like it's a self-identity thing like when you think of you know just identifying yourself hey i'm an investor okay great so what does an investor do what action do they take it's almost like shifting that and that's honestly why i love the lab because it's like it's it's kind of can you just add this experiment into your own life like can i just switch my lens for a second and be like hey listen like I'm a strategic partner with my CPA. Like I'm not an investor. I'm a strategic partner. Therefore I need to give my CPA exactly what I need in order to be successful in order to help my CPA help me. So now let's transition into that. Like you talked about, there's a lot of things that you applied at the firm that you saw that you applied, you know, could be applicable when, when applicable, when, uh, when feasible 
to the person next door. What are some biggest, again, I'm sure you get this questions all the time, right? People are just trying to extract as much value from you as possible. Like, what should I be doing, Amanda? Tell me the secret. What is one thing though, Amanda? I shouldn't say one thing because there's multiple, but like, what are some common, wow, I cannot believe people are not doing that as real estate investors, like flags that just, you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It's almost like a dentist, like, dude, you're not flossing. It's like, what is it that you see that is not again we're we're not aware like we don't know what we don't know that common investors should definitely be keeping in mind yeah i mean i think you're right there's so many different things and mm-hmm. um you know we we're talking before the show how you know i i speak a lot i do a lot of podcasts and, and yeah. education and stuff but and even then every time uh, I, I feel like people are hearing what I say. And, and then when I actually talk to them, they become clients. I realize maybe they didn't really hear what I what I said. Um, I think for anyone, you know, whether you're a newbie investor or someone very experienced, it's really, really important to understand that as real estate investors, we are business owners in the eyes of the IRS. And what that means is that we're able to take tax deductions for our business expenses you know, not just like for the property, right? So for the property, we all know we have interest taxes and things like that. But if we have a vehicle that we're using partly for business, if we work out of a home office, like it looks like you have a, a nice home office, right? Home yeah. office, a lot of travel expenses. So anything that is business related, you know, helping to improve or grow or maintain your real estate, uh, those items should be tracked as tax deductible. And, and this is true regardless of whether or not you have a legal entity. I think a lot of investors, again, including very sophisticated investors, are often misunderstood uh, in terms of thinking that, oh, they maybe they can't write something off because they don't have a legal entity or because they didn't pay with money from a legal entity. Um, and the IRS really doesn't look at entity in terms of deductions. They're just looking at, is this expense ordinary and necessary for your real estate business? And what's necessary and ordinary for Ruben's midterm rental may or may not be necessary for my long-term rental, right? So um, it's understanding what's tax deductible for you and the type of real estate you're doing. And I think I've heard you say this before, right? I think maybe it was this summer, this past summer in San Diego or fall, I should say, where I may have heard you say like, you actually don't need an LLC or something to that extent. Is that where you're going with that? I wouldn't go so far as to say you don't Uh, need an LLC. Yeah, but I think the point you're- Mm-hmm. For like liability protection purposes. Um, but yeah, when it comes to taxes, right, we're talking about tax savings as a landlord, again, long term rentals, midterm rentals, short term rentals, um, you don't have to have an entity in order to take write offs. And, and especially yeah. again, for newer investors, you start out, there's a lot of startup costs to, to learn how to do real estate, get into real estate, all the networking stuff. Um, and don't be discouraged, like just because I didn't have an entity yet, those are still legitimate business deductions that you can take. Yeah, I love how you preface that because we're not saying don't get one. We're saying you could still benefit by not having one. So that's key. So what should I then be doing if I'm listening to this now that I'm not taking seriously or even know that I should be tracking? Um, I loaded think question. Really... I'm coming with the yeah. loaded questions. <laughs> oh, Ruben, think... that's a whole dictionary. For I mean, for all investors, it's really important to make sure you have a plan in place on how you're going to reduce your taxes, whether that's reducing taxes from your W-2 income, from business that you might own, or just from rental income that you, you know, you plan to earn and grow for, for that portfolio. Um, a lot of people think that when they're filing their tax returns mm-hmm. is when they're 
saving taxes, but that um, is actually not the case. To save on taxes, you have to really be doing the right things during the year. So if you were going to a bigger pockets conference, for example, you know, how are you paying for those expenses? Are you tracking those? Um, are you doing the right things to make sure that you can actually claim those as legitimate expenses, right? So those are things yeah. I think we should all be doing uh, during the year rather than just waiting until March or April when we're filing taxes, then trying to figure out like, man, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z things. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have been able to take a tax deduction maybe for that trip I took, right? So Amanda, is it, I appreciate you saying that because I'm just thinking tactically here as, as we're listening. Okay, tracking. No, it's not a sexy thing. This is why they pay you the big bucks, right? Like you're Nobody good wants at, to do it. No one wants <laughs> to do it, right? So if that's the case, what's one way I can put myself in a position to succeed? Is it, and the first thing I can think of, I'd love for you to hear if you're here, if you co-sign this, but one thing I can think of, and I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking, please correct me here, is getting a, a business credit card or debit card where anytime I'm using that is specifically for that business. Therefore, when I I'm able to print out all my statements and have a general ledger, that's kind of already pre-baked in. Like I'm thinking that's the lowest hanging fruit. Am I missing something? I probably am. Like what, what would you say? Like take it a step further or maybe I'm thinking this incorrectly. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely correct. That's one of the tips that we give people all the time is if you have a legal entity, uh, then you have, you know, different, a, a credit card, uh, ATM card bank in the name of the legal entity so that when you have business expenses, you can just pull out that particular card. Um, it simplifies your life a lot because if you continue to pay with business stuff in the, on the same card that you have your personal expenses run through, you have to go through all those different transactions to try to figure out which ones are business, which ones are personal. Um, having said that though, even if you're someone who does not have a legal entity yet, maybe you don't you know, want to spend the money to form one just yet, uh, just starting out or only have one property, um, what you can always do is you can just have a different bank account and a different card specifically you designate to specifically use it for real estate. And that way it's kind of the same, like you were talking about, that system is already put in place where when it's business, I'm using this card, I'm using this bank account. Um, I think a common issue I hear from investors, especially, you know, starting out is like, well, I have a bunch of expenses, but I don't have money. So whereas I have this, you know, LLC bank account, but there's no money in there. So I continue to pay these expenses with money in my personal account. Um, one way to easily overcome that issue is simply transfer money from your personal account into that new entity bank account. And then once the money's in there, you can utilize that to pay for all the business expenses, right? Just keeping sure, you know, making sure that the entity account is well-funded at all times so you could actually pay for the business expenses. Yeah. It's like, it has to be kind of like this one, I don't know that I would call it a revolving door, right? But it, it has to be just from one one place, right? So that it's it's tight for the bookkeeping. And and it, correct me if I'm wrong, is it called like a capital contribution or something to your business, mm -hmm. something like that, right? Um, yes, exactly. Okay, that's I think that right there in itself, like even for myself as a reminder, great. The only the only thing I had, and I told this to my CPA, is like, oh, sometimes like these cards and um. You know, one card has like higher rewards than the other. Would you say, <laughs> would you say just suck it up buttercup? Like, what are we doing here? Is that, is that really what it, because. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, starting out, you know, many years ago when we first started out our accounting firm, I completely yeah. understand, especially for, um, you know, people, I mean, it's very enticing to use the car with the best points, but, you know, you're trying to build a real estate business, a real estate empire, right? Yeah. So at some point we do want to make sure we're building up 
the credit, the borrowing ability, and the point systems for our business too. So yes, starting out might not be as enticing to use this particular card or account, um, but the sooner you start using it, the better it's going to be, right? Because then in the future, I mean, ideally that business card is going to be the one that's going to be generating, you know, possibly good borrowing ability or loan terms for you too. Experiment Nation, I have a special gift for you. If you're in the Airbnb space or if you're thinking of getting into the Airbnb space, you're an operator with multiple units, your first unit, your hundredth unit, just about to get into Airbnb, you are going to want to get this blueprint that I put together for you. Now, I want to give context of how this was put together because sometimes people assemble these uh, ideas and top 10 lists, top five, top this, and it doesn't have any true valued vetted content. What I've done is I've surrounded myself by the best top short-term rental Airbnb operators in the world. I co-authored a best-selling book with them called Hospitable Host. I've had them on my platform and interviewed them to get the questions that you guys want to learn the most from into the episode to show the real estate experiment, as you know. And I've also paid tens and thousands of dollars to be sitting in the room to get these notable insights that we implement ourselves as short-term rental operators. I'm a short-term rental specialist. I'm licensed to do it in their respective markets. You know, we build ours in Georgia. We have a management company ourselves. We're Airbnb super hosts. So we not only talk to talk, but we walk to walk, but we still consistently surround ourselves with the best in the space to get us further ahead. And this is what we've put together an Airbnb millionaire blueprint where you don't just hear it from me. You hear it and it's an aggregate list. It's 21 pillars from short-term rental operators worldwide who've implemented this and it's worked and this is the exact same way we've been able to get results and get the same results from implementing these insights that i've pulled from multiple faces right some people have tons of arbitrage units like tj tajani some like bill faith have just a few some like michael shogan has boutique hotels they've scaled and whether you have one unit 10 units or 100 unit or about to get into your first unit you're going to want to have this blueprint that you can utilize you universally wherever you are in the world want to get this i put together we took a lot of time to put this together this year after all that we've been implementing in our lab for you to have a guide that you can leverage right that you can use and and, and implement we've also given and tagged everybody that we've featured in and giving them credit so you know where the source is coming from and you can check out their instagram you can see that there are vetted individuals that we not only work with and trust but learn from because sometimes you get a lot of different information and i want to make sure i give that credit where you can find out that person and we've also if they've been on our show we've also linked the episode within this free blueprint it's the airbnb millionaire blueprint want to make sure you go to experiment realestate.com once you get there you'll see the pop-up that says i have something for you just scroll down enter your name enter your email and we'll get it right sent to you don't want to sleep on this we've been putting these together for quite some time and i know that it will serve you regardless of where you are in your journey to have an airbnb millionaire blueprint that has been collectively vetted and has been sourced from operators who are operating at a high scale experimentation you're welcome make sure to go to experimentrealestate.com and get your airbnb millionaire blueprint so that you can also scale to the level of experiment that these practitioners like ourselves have done
just for you, Experiment Nation. We'll see you on the other side. Got it. What are some um, things that, because I want to give, I want your, first of all, I think everyone who's listening needs to tap into your like endless resources that you have readily available. Like, and, and it's a remarkable because I see it on your website. You have everything that, you yeah. know, the tools that you can give to be successful. So we're definitely going to plug that away um you know at, at the end and, and everything so everyone can check it out but i love that also we're going through things that are very simple right now which helps i think because you know you, you go back to the whole like are people actually listening i hope you're listening because i know now that when i take out my credit card i'm gonna be very mindful of what i'm gonna have like amanda's voice in my head and thinking like hey, no ruben like forget forget the crazy points do this for the right business card because again it's all about setting the systems and thinking the long-term game um is there anything um uh else i think technology wise i think i got put onto like reps tracker maybe I, I think we talked about that talk about you know some of these like applications that are readily available to us and like why we should be using them and, and then i also want to transition into the whole like being a like a real estate professional because that's something that's that I don't think people realize that, you know, that they can qualify for that and, and yeah. how beneficial it is for them. So I know I have reps tracker. There's gotta be some other stuff out there. You've been doing this for years. I'm curious. Yeah. Though, what are some good stuff out there that I should be taking note uh, and experimentation should also take note of because technology now is like, you're, <laughs> you're as good as the tools that you have. Is there anything else we should be? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, we're yeah. talking just about like bookkeeping and tracking expenses. QuickBooks mm -hmm. is a great one for a lot of clients. Sure. Um, also Stessa works very well, right. For landlord um, specifically for like landlord types of transactions. It's funny you bring up reps tracker. Um, it was actually created the founder of reps tracker, uh, it's actually a client of mine and what? it was actually built um, based on how we recommend investors track their hours. Wow. Um, yeah. And actually that... the founder herself is not a tech person. She was a doctor. <laughs> you could not make this up. <laughs> I really could not make it up. Um, but, but, but it's, it's so I think, so you asked me two questions about apps and then about real estate professional reps yeah. tracker kind of bridges the gap between the two. Um, and so I think yeah, for most investors, you know, if, if regardless of whether you have long-term, midterm or short-term rentals, if you're of higher income, meaning over 150,000 combined as a married couple, um, your rental losses are by default considered passive losses, which simply means that they cannot offset taxes from your W-2 income. Um, they can only offset taxes from other passive income you get. So, you know, rentals or, you know, other passive businesses. Um, so a, a pretty, you know, significant um, hurdle, right? When we talk about tax savings and doing the planning. Mm -hmm. But with within real estate, there are a couple ways to overcome that limitation. Meaning even if you make over 150,000, there are still ways for you to use rental losses to offset W-2 and other income. So um, if you're someone who invests in long-term rentals, the way to do that is by meeting real estate professional status. Um, a couple different rules to meet. Um, so the three main one is you have to spend at least 750 hours in your long-term rentals. You also have to spend more time in real estate than your other income or job combined. Mm. So if Ruben is working, um, you know, for Apple um, at 2000 hours, Ruben needs to work more than 2000 hours to be a real estate professional or wow. your wife, right? It's you or your spouse. So, so if you can meet um, more hours than your job 
and at least 750 hours, then it may be possible for you to use rental losses to offset taxes from W-2 income, even if one of you is still working full-time. Um, and for people who are doing short-term rentals, the test is much easier. So, is, you know, because for short-term rental investors, it doesn't matter how many hours you're working at your job. You just have to meet one of the material participation hours requirements. Um, similar to real estate professional, there's a handful of them to fall under, but the most common ones we see are you spending at least 500 hours on your short-term rentals, um, or you spend at least 100 hours, but nobody else spends more time than you. And mm. so in what we just talked about with the short-term rental, the long-term rental, we keep talking about hours, right? Hours and what you're doing to real estate. And that's where people are like, how do I track my hours? What activities qualify? And that's where the reps tracker comes in really handy because it's an app that helps you to track your hours in real time. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you put a bow on that because, you know, I think for context and maybe you can help us uh, even further just the hours it's not like you're submitting that it's in case you get audited is am i correct right right exactly and, exactly yeah and so i think it's it's <laughs> you and i would both agree that it's so critical for us to do things the right way uh consistently so that if you do get audited you have a place where you can say hey yeah look here's what i've done and here's here's where all my hours went right uh to the to the to the decimal <laughs> hopefully maybe or at least right um in I'm I'm curious how um is that something that you've seen for for your clients again not not you know I think to to give people some context is like how often do people get audited like, I mean I haven't been I'm just curious like is this like more common than we think um you know I think it depends it depends on who you ask so for us in our firm we've been really fortunate uh, always had to like keep our fingers crossed right exactly sure. change we've been really sure. fortunate that we really don't have a lot of audits uh come through um I think part of it is because of how we file tax returns right how you file tax return can really help to minimize audit risk and then how you record certain things as mm. well so um yeah I, I know there are CPAs who are just deathly afraid of the IRS deathly afraid of audits and um, I think that really is a disservice to investor clients um, because in our experience, even, you know, the few fewer cases where there are audits, auditors are actually very reasonable people. You know, they're human beings just like us. And so um, as long as you really did what you say you did, as long as what um, you're documenting are reasonable, uh, we really haven't seen a lot of issues, even when a return is selected for audit. But I, I think it really comes back to, um, uh, being truthful in what you do, right? And that's why the the simultaneous, I mean, the, you know, recording your expenses during the year, recording your hours during the year, that's what helps you to document your position. Um, if you're like me, uh, I, I, I don't really remember what I ate like two days ago for breakfast. So I if I had to recall three years from now, what I did in real estate on February, 2023, there's almost, you know, impossible for me to like, you know, um, replicate that in detail and that's yeah. why you know timing having that system to track your hours is really really important oh my gosh it's it's very so it's critical it's critical um you know when we're talking about all this i would love for you to put into context like the kind of you talk about you know one of the things you you talked about when opening up the conversation that we had was you know you help you know real estate you're giving them a tool to help real estate investors um you know essentially save and or build wealth through real estate but through using tax saving strategies that i paraphrase that the right way yeah yeah 
um, if that's the case, can you give us some like case studies of like, because I think people pay attention to numbers and again, obviously everything is that you do is, is, is for your clients is, 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 is private. But I just think as far, if you're giving like a case study of like someone without obviously naming any names is like, how much can you truly like how, like, I really want to bring this home of how important it is. Cause I had this like lightning, like this, not even epiphany, just as like, I realized this year after kind of sh- shifting tax professional how critical it can be for how much you actually save and like I, let's can we put some numbers behind that like just something top of mind either something an average that you see of people before and then after and then what they're able to do with that you know maybe as it relates to their you know more more investing dollars for more dollars to invest further because they were able to take on these strategies i'm just curious would you be able to share that with us yeah i mean there's so many <laughs> But um, that means you're crushing your job, rightfully so. That's good. (laughs) I know it's hard for me to to remember like one specific case, but we had, um, uh, I think maybe like a year, year and a half ago, we had a client, a married couple who Mm -hmm. were both working full time. They started investing in short term rental properties. It was sort of their first time in real estate. Um, you know, jump right into short-term rentals, never having even owned long-term properties. Um, so they made, I think they made about a little over $300,000 of income combined. Um, and you add, you know, the rental income on top of that. Um, in their first year, you know, we helped them to maximize their write-offs. They were able to track their hours to be able to legitimately claim some of these expenses. Um, and then we did, um, we helped them to do a cost segregation study to accelerate mm. the depreciation from the rental properties. So just in that first year, um, their income, their taxable income went from 300000 to under $100,000 of taxable income. And so shaving $200,000, you know, off of, of taxable income is very, very significant. Um, at their tax rate, it's about $100,000 of cash difference. Um, and, and you know, what you're saying, like the impact of it, right? Super impactful. Like if you got to keep $100,000 more of what you made compared to previous years, that's a whole lot of money. I mean, that could be a down payment on a $500,000, you know, set of real estate holdings in that same year. That so is very, very powerful wild. stuff. I know yeah. you're not even like, flinching because you do this all the time it's like second nature but that is crazy that's wild that's like a whole nother income stream in the household yeah yeah and we a have six times figure too. one yeah and we have times too where um you know two working couples that um you know they want to do long-term rental investing or they want to do midterm rentals but um, they really just can't be real estate professional if they're both working full time. Yeah, sure, but yeah. once we go through the numbers, sometimes it, the result is that they're actually making more money by not working, right? Because now with one of them not working, they're <laughs> able to claim all the tax losses against the other spouse's W-2 income. So yeah, that we see that, you know, pr- no pretty No way. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on, Amanda. <laughs> You're telling me I need to quit my job? So hold on. No. So if I'm listening to this- <laughs> No, I didn't say no, that. I know, I'm kidding. I'm just messing with you. That, so just so I understand like the math behind that, are you saying that that, let's say that, that two couples, right? And like, are we saying that the one couple, it's worth it for them to- not work and then do, do some hours as a professional versus or are we saying like not work at all again just for this hypothetical oh, just sure, curious sure yeah yeah no and that's not it would be the one of the spouses not working or significantly reducing their work hours 
and instead spend their time on their real estate portfolio. Um, because mm. the goal of it is to make sure that at least one person right has enough real estate hours to be able to utilize the tax benefits. Yeah. And when one person is able to meet those hours and activities requirements, both of the spouses get the benefit. So let's say if I made $100,000 at my job, but my spouse was making $400,000 at their job, if I quit my job, maybe I lose out on $100,000 of income, but maybe through real estate and the tax strategies, you know, that will save me more than $100,000 in taxes, right? Yeah. So there are scenarios where it um, just becomes a math problem um, in deciding whether and when to stop working. Yeah. yeah, so it's a, it sounds like again, always goes back to planning, which I'm sure that's a word that you you go back and use constantly. It's all about reverse engineering your end goal, even being alignment in alignment with your partner and your spouse, right? Say, hey, like, you know, what do we want to do? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, and and because based on that, it sounds like you can even to the level of you know who is working, who is doing what, or where they're spending their time might actually lead to you. Again, we picked a really nice case study, but this exists and you see this stuff all the time, whether it's a hundred, whether it's a little bit more, whether it's a little less, I'm sure you're the band. It's, it's all over the place. Right. But um, that's, that's, that is fascinating. Um, Just cause we don't talk about like that enough, you know, it's not sexy, but for you, you see it and it changes lives. Right. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting because I had a client who once told me, you know, before when I was working the big uh, big four firm. I mean, we save people a significant amount of money. You know, some of these like real estate investment firms, they would save, you know, millions of dollars a year in taxes. Um, but we don't really see the impact of it because then that savings is spread amongst, you know, different shareholders and different investors. Whereas now in our firm, if I'm working with John Smith and, you know, if he made a certain dollar amount of income, but he was able to save even 20 or $30,000 in taxes, we see the impact of that because that's money that he otherwise didn't have to buy that second rental property right so um the oh. strategy sometimes but even more powerful for newer investors because every dollar matters at that point in time when you're building wealth right wow and that brings us to full circle the fulfillment that you feel behind let me ask you i mean you've helped so many people you're you're crushing it like what is you know you know you've given us so much value like what is it that we can do to help you in your journey? Like, what is it that is going to fulfill you? I think you and your husband are doing some amazing work. Uh, you're helping people. You're seeing that transformation. What do you think is next? Is it more or less of the same thing? You guys are taking things in a new direction, doubling down on what is already working. I'm curious, what's next for you? Yeah, we, I mean, for us personally, we're always looking to continue growing our real estate portfolio, right? So it's kind of, like you said, you don't just talk about it, you have to actually do it. Yeah. Um, so What's your portfolio looking like right now? Just curiosity. I mean, yeah, right now, um, I, I some people rentals? were kind of like the boring, yeah, we're the boring long-term hold, uh, nice. long-term rental investors. I try not to sell anything. Every time we sell something, I always tend to regret it after, you know, a couple of years. <laughs> A likely a scenario for most investors. Um, yeah. So yeah, mostly um, long-term hold properties. The ones that we are more active on our end are more single family, townhouse, condo type of stuff. But we also mm -hmm. um, invest quite a bit passively in mm -hmm. larger syndications and things like that. 
Um, we like that because it helps to leverage, you know, other people's time. <laughs> time yeah. is very precious for us. And um, so, yeah, both of those sort of make up our portfolio and always trying to find a balance between the two. Um, but I think professionally, probably more of the same, just really always trying to share our knowledge, you know, to as many people as we can. It's really fulfilling when we um, hear people tell us success stories, you know, if they yeah. heard us, they read our book or, you know, something they later implement a strategy. It's always very fulfilling to, you know, hear the results of that. You never know who's oh, listening, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, that's the beauty of this, of, of this, this, you know, even this medium, even podcasting. It's just you never know whose whose life you're touching and impacting. Um, I know we're winding up here. I've got to ask you this because I'm like gonna kick myself if I don't. Curious, you mentioned syndication. Um, do you see that as a passive investor uh, in the syndications? You, it's uh, do you are you able to um claim as much as someone who's active? I'm sure you get that question all the time. Is that could you touch on that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, passive investors, so so uh, losses from syndication investments are treated very similarly to losses from your own rental properties. Mm. Um, what does that mean? That means if you're someone who's passive with respect to all of your real estate, um, then those are going to be passive losses, which not the end of the world. It just means you're using it to offset passive income um, now and in the future. But for someone who is maybe a real estate professional, right? Let's say if I was a real estate professional, I... Um, have enough hours on my own rental properties that I'm actively involved in, there's actually an election that you can make to say that you want to combine your passive syndication investments with your own portfolio so that it allows you to use all those losses together to offset your W-2 or other non-passive income. Wow. So it's a combination. Jeez. Okay. Well, listen, if the people want to find out more, they can definitely tap in because that there's, there's no way we get your 20 plus years of experience into one 45 minute slot. And that's why, again, you're, we're very grateful that you came in here into the lab with us, rolled up our sleeves and kind of showed us in your lens as an investor, author, speaker, and obviously CPA. See, I'm, I'm giving you all the branding, girl. Run with Thank it. Thank you. With it. I know. Um, I'm super grateful. And I want to make sure I know I'm following you on the gram. I know that's how we connected. Um, and I know your handle there, but where else can people find out more about what you're offering in your world and yeah. to connect with you? Yeah, it's funny you brought, uh, brought up Instagram because I feel like uh, that's been my latest challenge is, um, you know, tax is such a boring thing, but just to be able to break down tax strategies into, you know, five sentences or mm-hmm. 15 second videos. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. So for those of you who want kind of short daily tips, Amanda Han CPA is my handle on Instagram. Um, but yeah, for, for tax savings, um, like you said, Ruben, we have tons of tons of great resources, um, downloadable toolkits that you can, you know, look at the different strategies and even do a self-assessment on where you might stand in terms of, of tax strategies. And the best place to find that is at our company website, which is keystonecpa.com. That's right keystonecpa.com and make sure you give a follow to amanda underscore han underscore cpa on instagram you cannot miss it you're doing some great stuff on here by the way you got to keep it up and honestly that's that's where the opportunity is as as kind of being in the social media space is like taking this large unsexy topic and just breaking it down into the most you know not even basic but comprehensive terms is where you're you're crushing it. And so thank you for that. And yeah. just like that experiment nation, 
we are out. Experiment Nation podcasting has changed the way we operate as real estate investors ourselves, and it can do the same for you. Podcasting has been the source of the masterclasses that we get thanks to the world-class real estate investors and practitioners and specialists that come into the lab from all realms, from short-term rentals to mid-term rentals to real estate syndications to even software as a service, owners, founders, entrepreneurs have helped enrich our experiments by giving us the education, helping us build a network, and lastly, and most importantly, a brand association to open up multiple doors for our respective businesses. If you understand the power that podcasting can have, and you know that you need one for your brand, please, you can rely on our team. InvestedTalent.com is my team and the team that helps this podcast, The Real Estate Experiment, become the fruition each and every single week to educate my community, build relationships on the air, and continue to build our brand. If you know that you need to do the same for your brand and you haven't pulled the trigger yet, maybe because you don't know how, our company, InvestedTalent.com, does the end-to-end from the time that you record to the time that it is published to even repurposing content on multiple social media platforms. That's what my team can do for you. Simply go to InvestedTalent.com and book a discovery call to see how my team can help you launch your podcast.